Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, welcome back to another episode of the Two Sharp Reds. And I mean, like people have been doing in the past few weeks, we've been adapting to technology. And Mark, this is the first time, not only have we, you know, been getting used to recording the episodes uh, at different places, but this time we're actually looking at each other. And, and using webcam for the first time. I don't know why we didn't think of this earlier. I know. You know, we've got to go up with the times. First ever time that we're going to telecast or sort of broadcast, record our little podcast. And, uh, you know, fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. And, uh, yeah, the, the disadvantages, yes, I've got to look at you now. Sure. Quite enjoy not having to look at you every time. Yeah. Well, kind of. Come on. You're not that you, bad. You say that. No. Yeah, you you're not that, that bad. We're all having fun. Um, we are. Now, it, Talk us through uh, what Socceroos jerseys you've got in the background there, because as you can see, I've got a little bit of Arsenal gear that I've just panicked and thrown over the back of my uh, couch, uh, and then you can see my, my my bean bag that I'm sitting on. That's all you can you can see in my place. Uh, but what? But they. So you've got one from. Oh, what year is that? That's 2005. That's actually yep. Confed's Cup. Uh, against Tunisia uh-huh. in Leipzig. That's Brett Edmonton's shirt signed by the whole team. We didn't have a, we didn't have a very good uh, Confeds Cup in two thousand and five. We, we, to be fair, we showed glimpses. Um, lost to Germany, I think it was four three. Lost to Argentina four two, and then we we even lost to Tunisia one nil. And uh, so we had a bad tournament. We showed glimpses. You know, very competitive, and that was when the, the FFA also decided to make a big change. Uh, they, that's when they, 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 they changed managers. They brought in Gus Hiddink not long afterwards. And then what about the one to your right shoulder there? Well, that's an oldie, isn't it? Um, I, I'm yeah. not quite sure. See, I think it's really early days. So when I first made my debut in 93, uh, we just moved from King... Well, actually, the first game in Canada was King Roo. Then the return leg two weeks later, we just moved to Adidas. And I think that's one of those shirts just shortly afterwards. Um, from that time. Uh, it's got number four on the back, so I can't really remember. It may have been Paul Ocon or Paul Wade or someone like that. I'm not quite sure. Can't really remember. So this is one thing I have always wanted to ask you. Do you not feel slightly jealous that you haven't been able to wear these shirts and you, you get your own, which is kind of cool in its own respect, but at the same time, you've never been able to wear the, the famous green and gold? Uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But listen, I've always loved the, the goalkeeping shirts. I always loved a bit of in, being a bit of an individual in that regard. You stand out a little bit. Um, obviously, you're highlighted if you make a mistake because you're the goalkeeper and you stand out like a sore thumb. But I, I kind of liked it. I like being that little bit different. Um, but you know what? Listen, if you're watching Optus Sport and you're watching the quiz show that we're doing, the isolation quiz show, you get to see that I do actually wear outfielder shirts. Today, I wore Miller Yednak's. 
uh, Crystal Palace shirt, away strip when they played against us. When I was at Leicester City in 2015-16 season, when Leicester won the Premier League title. So, yeah, it's pretty cool, quite fun. A little bit strange. I actually feel a little bit funny when I put it on because I'm like, oh. Firstly, I'd never played for Crystal Palace before, but secondly, it's an outfielder shirt, and you kind of go, oh, this is a bit weird. And it also had a couple of strings of Millet's beard just, just sort of hanging around the collar, which yes. is also just as weird. Yeah, yeah definitely, absolutely. It was there, um, and it's ingrained in there. I don't want to touch it. I'm leaving it on there, and it'll be forever the Millet Yenak shirt. So this week on the Two Sharp Reds, uh, we're going for an absolute classic. I reckon one of the first wines I ever tasted when I was 18, uh, of course, Mark. Uh, it's the Oyster Bay Pinot Noir 2018, of course, a New Zealand classic. And New Zealand wines, uh, certainly their Pinots, that, that's really where they, they come into their own. But I, I honestly can't think of anything better than a New Zealand Pinot or, or a Tasmanian Pinot. They, they just are spot on. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Um, I, I'm, I'm almost. I used to think, yeah, Pinot in in that part in, in you know the Southern Hemisphere part of the world. Uh, I was leaning always towards the New Zealand Pinots, but having tasted a Pinot from Tassie, I was blown away by it. And for me, it's my my favourite uh, Pinot ever. Was a was a Pinot out of Tasmania. So yeah, big big fan. Big shout out to the Tasmanians. Yes, definitely. Love it. And I, one day I'm going to go there. I'm going to do a food tour, wine tour. I know there's a whiskey uh, whiskey bar in, in, in yes. right in the center of uh, um, Hobart. And I'm really, really excited about one day going there. Go to Salamanca Markets. I want to go. Lark Distillery, I think that's called. They've, exactly. And Sullivan's Bay. Yeah, there's some absolutely... That, that, since I've moved from Tasmania, this is what I hate that I've missed out on this changing of, of times where Tasmania now, or Hobart in particular, the red wine and whiskey you know, brands and names and bars, and it's just incredible. So, yeah, if, if, you, if you ever go, give me, a, give me an invite to that one. I, I think that'd be good. I fun. certainly will. You know, and, and actually, the one thing I, I was, I started watching a series in Australia called The Gourmet Farmer. And it's all based in Tasmania. And that's how I also became sort of really kind of drawn towards Tasmania, the food industry, the, the, the wine, the, the cheese making. It's all these also a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, sort of uh, immigrants from Europe who have moved out there. They've got their veggie plots and they've got everything else out there. And they've developed all this amazing food industry culture. Um, I, yeah, I'd love to go and see it one day. Well, for now, let's get stuck into the Oyster Bay. Cheers, Mark. Cheers, mate. Cheers. All right, so, Mark, uh, I guess let's, let's start off with a story that I've been laughing about since I've read it. Um, my, my mate, Unai Emery. Uh, he, he <laughs> Easy your mate, gunners. though. Easy your mate, yeah, though, let's be I honest. Think he, I think he could be. I think in, in different circumstances, we'd, we'd get on. Um, just talk about brill cream and, and hair products, I would have thought. Um, but, uh, yeah, he left Arsenal in, in not the best way, um, but he has blamed his ex-wife, uh, calling her a white witch, uh, saying that she is responsible for his bad luck and form. And, and, and essentially, when they started fighting, that's when Arsenal started to lose. Yeah, I think, actually, I don't think it's his ex-wife. I think it's his ex-girlfriend. So, yeah, ex-girlfriend. And yes, you're right. Uh, bizarre, isn't it? Brilliant. I, I think it's bizarre. It's brilliant. It's like 
push the buck onto someone else. And apparently he used to use Google Translate apparently to, to woo her as well. And um, I just, it, it just it has all the makings for a fantastic, sensational story. And to, to, for it to come out now and say that, you know, he was, said that she was, uh, that she was um, uh, what was she? She was uh, the, the main reason for him. She was jinxed, whatever. She yeah. was the, the white witch. That's brilliant. I love it. It's, it's, I mean, it's got two sides, and I reckon it's not an even split. I'm going to say it's 70-30. It's 70% hilarious to then 30%, if we take it seriously, if you're a manager or a player, how much do you think your home life will influence you? Because so many, say if you're just growing up and you're just playing a bit of park football, you often will say, you know, it's my escape. Like, you know, yep. this is why I want to play because as soon as I go out there on a Saturday or a Sunday and I just go around for 90 minutes, it's the one time where it do, you know, my home life doesn't enter my mind. But do you think at that professional level, does it have a genuine effect on you if there's issues going home, uh, you know, going on at home? I think it does. I actually genuinely do. I think your home life is so important, particularly as a professional footballer, whether it's a manager or whether it's a player. I, I, I don't... I think there's nothing worse because... When you're in the limelight, you're under so much pressure, it's your one sanctuary. You can go home, you close those doors, and it's, it's, your, it's your space. It's your space to be who you are, who you want to be, do what you want to do, and nobody's going to invade in that, hopefully. And if you're not having a good relationship, if you're having a bad time, you don't want to go to it. That's where I think a lot of players get into trouble. That's when they start to venture out. That's when they start to get themselves into trouble. They go out, whether they go out in nightclubs, whether they go out with other people, um, and, and they start getting caught out, and they start doing things that they probably wouldn't do if they had the right home life. So I think it's a big, big, um, uh, it, it, big, big factor in someone being successful or not successful. Uh, Mark, let's, let's hear uh, from uh, the great Petacek. Uh Recently, we've been featuring a few of your great mates, uh, I say great, you know, obviously some got back to you, some didn't. And, and the, you know the only reason why I say that is because three people left me on red. The, the, the dreaded two blue ticks. Uh, but but Petacek did get back to you. Um, and we thought it'd be nice to hear who his most iconic player was growing up. I didn't have an icon who I would kind of follow and look uh, up to. I My favourite goalkeeper was Peter Schmeichel. But uh, when I was growing up, I was watching uh, all the other goalkeepers uh, who were influential or had something different which I liked and I wanted to kind of uh, take uh, from them and, and replicate. So, for example, if I remember Oliver Kahn uh, playing for Bayern Munich, looking after Edwin van der Sar because, uh, you know, Ajax was the first team who used him a lot playing the ball uh, from the back and... And it kind of show, uh, you know, this is um, this is the way to do it. Um, then, um, you know, goalkeepers like Buffon, when he was 18 and started playing uh, uh, with Parma, the European Cups and the and the Serie A. And then obviously Casillas, uh, who is uh, one year older than me, when he started playing in the age of 17, uh, when he made his debut with Real Madrid, then you kind of go. Oh, you know, uh, this is a good example how uh, it doesn't matter how old are you, it, it can actually be possible if you work hard and, and then you have a bit of luck, then you probably can uh, can do things while you're still young. So they were the goalkeepers I, will, I was trying to uh, kind of uh, look up to and, 
and take uh, something out of uh, each of them and um, and learn and and put it in the, in my game or in my training because uh, you know this uh, this was the way the game was going. Yeah, so Mark, it's quite interesting that you know he mentioned Oliver Kahn, Van der Sar, of course, Buffon, an absolute legend. Do you think that it's it's common to have three or four? players you know if you're if you're actually trying to become a professional and not just wanting to watch a game do you think it's pretty common to have three or four people that you you generally draw from or is it you have one that you're like i need to emulate everything that they've been able to achieve i think it depends on what stage of your life you're at so i think when you're really young you can be influenced by one by one person and that can be like i said to you i said to earlier on one of our podcasts my my icon growing up was bruce grobelaar it's not that I found that he was the best goalkeeper on the planet and someone that I moulded my game on. I just thought I found him as an iconic figure, you know, of that particular time, a, gen- a, a, a time when Liverpool were at its best. Um, he, he was eccentric. It was, there was everything about him that was just entertaining. You couldn't, you couldn't take your eyes off him. So I get why Petacek now, well, why he's players he mentioned he mentioned also Casillas talking about the fact that he was 17 year old playing for Real Madrid and thought wow and that was kind of unheard of as well and he's like well if he can do it why can't I do it and he took he took things from all of them you know Vanessar was one of those goalkeepers one of the first one that were kind of seen as that was so good with his feet left and right foot could dink those balls you know into those little pockets um, just before the halfway line or just after it find that that roaming player um, and and I think that that is important to have had. I mean, again, Buffon was the same. Buffon was young, and I don't think he was. I think he evolved as a goalkeeper, hundred uh, percent. And I think he's become better with his feet as as time has gone on. But he wasn't someone that you looked at at that very young, young age or early stage of your career and went, "He's brilliant with his feet." He was just okay. He but he made save after save after save, and he was very young and uh, made it to the very very top very very quickly. He was the one that stood out in that list for me, maybe just because physically, you know, he was the one that I got to see more of when I was growing up. But how do you describe Buffon as a player in terms of, I mean, you played up against him, of course, in 2006. Yep. He, he was able to, I think the key word that you touched on, develop and change his game. And I think that's what we'll probably remember him for. You know, the fact that he was able to stay at Juventus for so long, go away and then come back. He's just, he's a special, special player. You know what? That, that is, I think, it doesn't happen. If you don't, if you don't evolve, if you don't, if you don't develop uh, as the years go by, you get left behind and you, you don't have a long career. You have to evolve. I mean, there, was, there were periods in my career where I had to make some dramatic changes. And one of it was, you know, you had to work with your feet. That wasn't my strongest point of my game. I had to really work hard on it to get to an adequate level. Then, you know, then I looked at, okay, what other aspects can I improve upon? I can improve upon my, my diet, my, my physical well-being. And that changed dramatically from almost overnight. So Buffon's no different. 100% for me that he has had to evolve. He has had to develop, had to change his ways as he went along. The game changes. If you don't go with it, you get left behind very, very quickly. Buffon short, certainly hasn't been left behind. So players like Petr Cech, Neuer, they were ahead of their time because they looked at, okay, I want to take elements of all these people and I want to take it to another level. I want to be, the, that, I want to be good at all of those things or even exceptional at all those things and supersede everyone. And, and Neuer, for me, was the best one at it because he, he took goalkeeping to another stratosphere completely 
And it took a while for people to catch up. And 2014, he kind of hit his pinnacle in terms of the way he influenced games, the way he dictated games, turned defence into attack. He was actually Germany's, at the World Cup in 2014, he was what, what Germany's most influential player mm. on that pitch um, to do with, obviously, saving, saving uh, goals, doing his job first and foremost, but turning defence into attack in a blink of an eye. It was incredible. Halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds. Mark, how are you enjoying this this beautiful wine? I mean, you must be reasonably within your element right now. You're having a beautiful New Zealand wine, mm. talking about you know the best goalkeepers in the world. Does it does it get much better for you? Uh, hopefully, my wife's not listening to this, but definitely doesn't get any better than this. No, well, definitely the, not. No, the White Witch. Or... Yeah. No. <laughs> see, I'll tell you, you said that. Yeah. Um, the 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 Pinot is beautiful. I, I love. I, I do. I do love. Uh, like I said before, a New Zealand Pinot, so smooth, so easy to drink, and drink it all day long. Um, and it's just one of those relaxing, re- relaxing grapes of or variety of red wine. Absolutely love it. You you'll love this then. Um... So obviously we've got a lot of time to kill at the moment. So, uh, you know, I've been exploring different reds and, and what I like. And, and we all know that a good Pinot needs to be with a really good slice of red meat. That's just, it's, it's going to go down a treat. So I have signed up how's this, for a five-day online course for different ways to smoke and barbecue meat. Uh, that then go hand in hand with a red wine, and I've got, my first, I've got my first lesson today. It's it's literally it's meat university. How good's that? Wow, excited, mate! I'm nervous to be fair. I mean, I've, I haven't written anything in a while, and you know, it's been some time that I've been in a classroom environment. But I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. Were, were you so? Were you one of those students that were more in the classroom or out of it? How do you mean? Like what? Can we have class outside, sir? No, excluded. Excluded. (laughs) I wasn't excluded by, you know, the peers I was, but not... No, 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 in terms of were you ejected from the class for being disruptive, not being a great student? Mark, I have never got in trouble ever. Never? No. Oh, wow, see? Never had a... Really? No, no, no. no. So were were you a dobber? Yeah, on the other side, there could be a little bit of a snitches sort of vibe around me. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. You can't tell me that surprises you, though. No, not really. I just thought I want to hear it. I want to hear it. And our first ever podcast that we're recording, it's brilliant. We've not only got it on, I got the audio, but we've also got the visual. It's brilliant. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Mark, uh, this week uh, you spoke to an absolute legend, one of the great journeymen, you, you'd say, uh, because it's it's quite it's quite rare to have a journeyman, you know, who still has a lasting effect on a league. I I personally think, you know, if you play for one club, two clubs, you know, at the highest level, we remember them very clearly as a club legend. But sometimes a great player is one that has an effect a- across a league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very fortunate enough to speak to Bobby Zamora, ex-teammate of mine at Fulham. He was huge for Fulham. Um, he was such an influential player, an important cog in that wheel. You know, he was he was brilliant. Um, and you know, I think he was underrated to a large degree. He got he did get his call up for the national team whilst playing at Fulham uh, because he was so good. Uh, link up play, holding the ball up, edge of the box, playing in his teammates, whether it was Damien Duff, whether it was Zoltan Gear, Simon Davies. Clint Dempsey, he did it so, so well. And European football suited him down to the ground. Obviously, 
early start of his career. He was a big, big player for Brighton and Hove Albion. West Ham, he's a West Ham fan through and through. So part of his career was being able to fulfil that dream to play at his uh, boyhood club. So it was brilliant to catch up with him. He's a really nice guy, very relaxed. um, And, uh, you know, it was great to just chat about football and talk about particularly that path, uh, that that journey we had at Fulham in those first two seasons and getting to a, a Europa League final. Well, we put the, the word out on social media to send in your questions for Zamora and, uh, and here are the lucky few that made the cut. This is one, I, I love this one. I thought this is brilliant. It's from the Divine Traveller. Uh, how, did, how did Bobby still manage to miss a goal in warm-up while you, Mark Schwarzer, were having a drink break? Managed to hit me in the head with a ball and smash my sunglasses as I was walking into Craven Cottage. <laughs> Hashtag still livid. <laughs> Um, probably didn't like the way you walked, so I fixed him on your head. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Probably try and say very different. I don't know. I apologize, apologize for it, though. Um, the next one is Endless Turf has asked, favourite moment of the 2009-10 Europa League campaign? Favourite moment? Wow, so many. Probably Juventus game, obviously, just being a part of that historic, iconic moment at Craven Cottage. All right, I've got another one that's, mate, I don't know this guy, this guy's called Richard McBurney. He's a bit of a weirdo, I think. Um, were you always last in roll call at school or was there another kid whose name started with Z? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was actually, I was obviously last. Um, and I used to, I used to say, because at a school it used to be, once you've said your name, you can go out, like you can leave the class at the end of the lesson. You know what I mean? They, they yep. do it that way as well sometimes. And I used to be last, obviously, get out to go and play football at break time or whatever it was. And I used to say, look, can we change it around the other way? Some of the teachers used to do it and go reverse order. So, yes, I was last and sometimes first. <laughs> okay, last one. It's from a guy called David Morgan. Um, what made you and Zolly such a good partnership? Um, Zolly and myself just had that connection, that understanding um of of where each other would, would be how we would like to receive the ball um and he just had that quality for me he just had that quality that if, if you make a run he will find you he will put it exactly where you want it to be um and and you know as well as I do what a fantastic lad he is um how hard working he was for that role for me that first season for me I was that holding best defensive forward in the Premier League. I'd call myself just <laughs> on that cent- on that centre midfielder, and and it was hard work. And um, I did it. Did I enjoy it a little bit? I liked being. I liked doing it, but wanted to be up here. That second season when Zoli was there, and he was probably more more natural at it, um, and, and gave me the opportunity to be further up the pitch. So Zoli was hard work and just a, a fantastic lad to play with, and a great lad. Yeah, there's some great questions there. One that I just thought, I mean, Rich McBurney saying, were you the last in the class to be called out? I mean, that is brilliant. That, that's, that's creativity. Well, yeah, you say that. I, I just think he's a bit of a weirdo. This, this, this. Who is it? Richard? What is that? Richard McBurney? McBurney, some sort of, some sort of Big Mac kind of guy. Yeah. No, that was a great question. And Bobby, I did give Bobby. Bobby' response was brilliant. Had a really good chuckle about it. He did love it. Um, so no, thank you very much for all you, all the people out there on social media. Put all your questions in. Unfortunately, we couldn't use all of them, um, but we chose what we thought were the best ones and uh, something a little bit different at times. And uh, Bobby did enjoy it. 
So um, I just want to cut to a bit of audio here from uh, one of the, you know, the tens of listeners that we get. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and this is Jay, who's a, an Aussie living in London, a big West Ham fan. And as soon as he heard that uh, we were going to be hearing from Bobby Zamora, he had this to say. Hi, guys. Uh, I have to say I was massively pumped uh, to hear about uh, this week's guest, Bobby Zamora, uh, as a West Ham fan. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. And unbelievable memories of him. Um, I first moved to the UK in 2005 and towards the end of our our push for promotion from the championship. And, and even though I'd been to a few games at Upton Park, uh, probably, probably my greatest sporting memory uh, eclipses seeing the ashes and anything like that was being at Cardiff in the Millennium Stadium, sitting amongst the Preston North End fans, <laughs> which was a silly idea, uh, watching Bobby Zamora give us the lead and give us the win and, and get us back up to um, where we belong. And and probably the thing that sticks in my mind most about him, and, and he would be, uh, I think, a, a massive cult hero if he still played today, is that just seemed like a, a really humble guy and really, really likable uh, bloke. I mean, uh, through some of the things that I did, I got to, to meet a couple of people involved and all they ever said to had to say about him was that he was always a really kind guy and always really welcome wherever he went. Um, and, and you saw that too whenever he would play against his old clubs and he had a few and he's been a bit of a journeyman. But everywhere he went, he really endeared himself to the fans and, and everyone involved with the club. And, and I think that's a real real sign of the guy is that he gave everything everywhere he went. And and you, you can only ever just love the guy. He was fantastic. And, and I, I can still talk about it and chew friends' ears off about my trip to Cardiff. I only had a, a bus ticket but ended up getting a ticket and then... Getting to see that was was amazing, and, and and who better to score the goal than Bobby Zamora? What a what an absolute hero! I love the bloke, um, and yeah, do do tell him I said good day, <laughs> Mark. That that does go back to what I was touching on a little earlier. That you know, so many players can flow in and out of sides, and you know, do their bit, and sometimes they can be underrated or or you know, used as a scapegoat, but. For some reason, it's rare that they can have a truly, truly positive effect on each club that they went to. And in particular, West Ham in in that famous game against Preston North End in Cardiff to get them back into the Premier League. And and what a story that is from Jay that he goes, you know, that's, you know, he's been to a lot of other sporting events, you know, and seeing Australia play. But that's the moment. That's the one that sticks out to him. And I think that's what sums Zamora up as a player and a guy. Yeah, I think for Bobby himself, that was that's right up there with one of his best moments in his whole life. Um, and, and it all goes back to the fact that he's, that he's a West Ham fan 
uh, through and through and have that opportunity, that, that, that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to play for your team, the team that you supported as a kid, you've watched the games in the terrace, um, and then get to a game that is so huge, the magnitude of it, the financial repercussions, the back into the Premier League. It, it's different, isn't it? I, I can only imagine if you support a team as a kid and you get a chance to play for them and have such a big influence on it, uh, it must be phenomenal. And the thing is with Bobby, every club he went to, He's left a legacy. He's left a, a, an imprint um, that, that and, he, and he changed the club. He influenced the club. And, you know, Brighton and Hove Albion, playoff final as well, massive. You know, going to West Ham, being involved in that playoff final, absolutely huge for him. So, yeah, it was monumental in his, in his career. Am I reading too much into it when talking about when a player goes to another side? Or do you think that that is a fair statement that, you know, you might have... <clears throat> For argument's sake, you might have a great player who then plays for four teams pretty evenly, but then you've got a good player who, so like a, a Mark Noble, for example, he's you know he's a he's a very good player, but he, I think that West Ham fans in particular, but Premier League fans will also remember him somewhat more than a, another player that you know was better than him, but you know played for four you know four or five teams because there's something about staying at one club that. I think we've got a lot of respect for. Yeah, because it's gone full circle, hasn't it? I mean, and there were days when it was very rare, or you know, few and far between players would leave clubs. You know, there were dime a dozen that players would spend their entire careers at one club. So as times evolved, as the way that football has, has progressed, that's happened fewer and fewer times uh, since then. And, and to have a player like Mark Noble, who knows? Listen, the the, the hope I think for for most the majority, if not all, the West Ham fans is that he finishes his career there, doesn't play for another club ever again. And that's his club, West Ham. And that, that, that's, a, that's an incredible story. And that's why it sticks. That's why people, I think most football fans would hope that they'd come across a player would do that for their, their own club as well. Yeah. So, Mark, how have you been going when it comes to your diet at the moment? I mean, I suppose it doesn't matter so much for you now because obviously you don't have to have skin fold tests. I mean, not officially at least. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you still give them to yourselves. But it must be a tough period for an athlete past or present or in the middle of it or coming out of the system because you've got no one to check on you. You're left up to your own devices. I mean, I know I struggle with it, but who cares? But if you're, you know, on 300 grand a week, it must be tough. Yeah, well, it, well, what, to be on 300 grand a week or to, yeah, to watch your diet? Tough. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, there, there's, you know when, you, when you are an athlete, a professional athlete, there's a, there's a level of expectation. There's a level of what is expected you know you you have to stick to those parameters and and when clubs are, are investing such huge amounts of money it was 100 million or something they paid for for um for Eden Hazard or, or 80 odd million whatever it was um paying him the wages that they're paying him you've got to adhere to the re- the club regulations you've got to keep in a physical state i don't think it's too much to ask it's a mental it's a mental struggle for some for some eating you know, one meal a day, or sorry, one meal a week that's outside the parameters of his diet can have effects because, they're, you know, they're, they're, their whole body dynamics, their metabolism doesn't deal with it very well and they put on weight very quickly. They're the players that have to be very, very careful. They're the guys that have to be very disciplined and controlling. But listen, it's a short career. In the grand scheme of things, it's like 10 years, 12 years at the top. I mean, these players, you should be able to do it. 
You should be able to look after yourself. You should be able to make sure you stay in the top physical condition. And funny enough, as you see it, and it happened with me as well, is that the latter latter stages of your career is when you actually start the penny drops. You start to realize, hang on, well, if I want to continue to play this game that I love and gives me amazing opportunities from day one, whether it's to do with travel, finances, everything else that goes with experiences, friendships, then and I want to prolong this as long as possible. I've got to do everything I possibly can to make sure that I can stay in this game for as long as possible. So maybe a penny will drop, maybe it won't. Um, I know Ed, and I know he's got that very relaxed, laid-back character. And uh, and at times he's probably you know, and I know he says to himself, "Ah, oh, it's all right. I'll burn it off when I go back to training." He made that mistake already once when he turned up at Real Madrid after he signed, and it took him a while to get fit. He got injured. That's a knock-on effect. You come back unfit. You're playing catch-up. You're being pushed because you need to try and lose weight more quickly. Then you get injured. Then it gets delayed even longer. So if he, he's already had the warning. He's already had that setback. He's already had almost a, a let-off. You can't go back to it again. He's got to stay on path. He's got to stay fit. Well, you touched on it there perfectly with Zard, who's, who's come out and said that um, he says, it's pretty complicated for me. I'm trying not to eat a lot. I'm trying not... Uh, I'm trying not to go into the pantry to eat a lot of buns, but it's not easy. Now, there's a couple of things that stand out with this remark. Uh, what does he mean by buns? Does he do, just like, like a hot cross bun? Must or be a, something like that, yeah, or, or, or bread or, rolls or something like that. Well, the, 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 first, the, the, the first solution to that is don't buy them. Don't have shop, them in yeah. your house. You know, if it's that difficult for him and that much of a struggle for him, it's an easy commitment for everyone really in the household. Right. Ban it from the house. Don't have anything in the house. So you no don't, ones. you don't, you, th- there's no temptation. You can crave it all you like, but there's no temptation because it's not there. What was your uh, big one? You know, uh, you really I, I, I really like chocolate. Um, chocolate is a bit of a, a bit of a, um, bit of my Achilles heel, I have to say. Uh, <clears throat> and at times, you know, you kind of binge on it and you go, oh, geez, I shouldn't have had that. Now I kind of, I float between have a bit of chocolate, have a bit of crisps. Um, Did you struggle yesterday? How'd you go? Uh, yesterday, you know what? Uh, you messaged me in the morning saying "Happy Easter," blah blah, blah about the Easter eggs and all that. And I'm, sorry, blah blah blah. Don't. Uh, that was actually quite nice of me to do that. You so. did no, no, no. But talk about Easter and Easter eggs and Easter hunt. And I was like, got no Easter eggs. Angry face because we didn't. You know, we've been in lockdown for quite some time now, and it's not really perceived to be an essential item to go out and venture up to the shops to to go and get. So I, I, we didn't get any. The kids even mention it. And I went, hang on a second, you want to be classed as adults now, you're 18 and 20, yeah. 20, almost 21, right? Act like adults, go and get your own Easter eggs, come and get an Easter egg out for us. Where, where is it? Come on. I mean, the most ironic sentence ever, come on, act like adults and go and get yourself an Easter egg. <laughs> why not? But no. Why, why is it not reversed now? Why are they not bringing us Easter eggs and going, mum, dad... We've created an Easter egg hunt. You guys have got to get up now and go and find them. Get your plastic bags. Go and get it. Yeah. Re- rolls reversal. Why not? I think we need a, a sharp red hunt. I mean, that's that that's would be the brilliant. Next thing. That would I mean, be brilliant. That could, I don't know about you, but I've been thinking. You know, what are we going to do the first day? You know, that we're allowed to just be normal, and that's got to be up there. I, I, I think. Is... I think we have to have another lockdown. Yeah. Sure. In a pub. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Hey, Mark, it uh, feels like it's very in vogue over the last two weeks to be 
reminiscing and talking about Socceroos, which is, you know, for some reason, you know, I mean, as a fan, always touch base on, on either memories or the current squad. But I've got, I've got this one for you. Um, Robbie Slater has given his best Socceroo 11. And I just want to quickly run, run it through uh, with you. Um, <clears throat> we've got Kjell Viduka Emerton, Cahill Zelic, Chipperfield Popovich, Neil Moore, Wilkshire, and in goal, of course, it's Mark Bosnich. Yeah. <laughs> no, I knew that. I, I, knew he, I knew he gave his team out. Yeah, it's fine. Listen, it's all in a banner of opinion. Listen, Bosnich at the top of his game was brilliant. He was, he was up there being one of the best goalkeepers on the planet. Um, and, and, you know, one would argue and say, uh, how do you judge someone's ability? Is, it, is someone world-class because of longevity? Is someone world-class because of a particular moment in their career, whether it was one year, two seasons, whatever it was, that they were outstanding? I mean, you know, it's all open for debate. And, and listen, I know Bozza. I, I grew up, uh, you know, being in various Australian camps with Bozza. He was outstanding, outstanding goalkeeper. Um, and unfortunately for him, unfortunately for, for everyone, football fans, you know, his career was, uh, was, was short-lived, cut short for, for various other reasons other than his football ability. Hmm. Who then at their prime was better looking, would you say? Oh, absolutely. Oh, definitely me. Yeah. Uh, well, so at yeah. least you've got that. Well, of course yeah. I'm going to say that, aren't I? You know, I thought you were going to say they're between uh, Robbie Slater and Bozza. They had Bozza all day they long. Are... I mean, I'll, the... let's be honest. The thing that I liked in, in uh, Robbie Slater's quotes, he said, obviously, yeah, quite naturally, as you'd know, that the person who misses out in this list would be Mark Schwarzer. But he'd make the bench. <laughs> that's the best. That's, the best. that's all right. No, no, yeah. he'd make the squad. Oh, he'd, yeah, he'd be there. <laughs> Yeah, that's all that's right. Brilliant. Listen, I, I played with Robbie quite a lot in the national team. I made, made my debut with him in the side. And, uh, you know, I, he, he was a, a powerhouse of a player, you know. Didn't have a, didn't have a lot of skill, a lot of, lot of technical ability, but he had a lot of pace and an ability to whip a cross in um, and then at times get on the end of a ball as well. So, you know, listen, he was, he was, he was, in his day, he was a good player. And also, first Australian to win a Premier League medal. So that says something as well. That's a that's a huge accolade. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah, with Blackburn Rovers. So, um, you know, did very, very well for himself. Mark, uh, thank you for another great episode of the Two Shut Reds. It was so good to hear from Zamora, and it's good to see you. You just, you know, obviously, normally you work from Monday to then the next Monday for the Sharp Reds, but it's been good to see you sort of getting up and about and interviewing people. Have you been enjoying being on the other side of, of interviewing and not being the interviewee? Yeah, I have actually enjoyed it. I mean, I, I like to have a bit of a chit-chat rather than just be that interviewer, you know. It's good to have a little bit of, uh, you know, comeback, a bit, of a, bit of a bit of a banter, a bit of a laugh, remembering, reminiscing on, on moments. And uh, with Bobby, you know, we could have that bit of a chat, like I said before, particularly those, uh, it was those two years, those first two years at Fulham, the European run was sublime, you know, memories that, and it's interesting to speak to someone who was there and that you know everybody sees things differently and you 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 have an interpretation and generally it's the same same version but then there's little extracts there's little uh, side streets that occur you know and and uh, I, I like that i like seeing and hearing difference of opinion there's particularly one moment in that interview uh, where we're talking about the uve game and the goal that Clint Dempsey scored. So I'm not going to reveal it. So you, you know, you've got to, got to wait for it. You've got to get on the app on Optus Sport once it's released. And you've got to listen to it. Because there's a particular moment there. He talks about that very moment, that very goal. And he goes, to be honest with you, 
blah 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 blah. So I'll let you listen to it, and then you'll get wow. to hear hear what it was about. And it, 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 it was it was kind of like, wow, really? Okay, fair enough. And then off you went. It was quite funny. You're such a tease, Mark. You're <laughs> such a tease. Uh, we thoroughly enjoyed uh, also everyone sending in their questions for Bobby. So, Mark, uh, next week on the Two Sharp Reds, I'm sure we'll be hearing from someone else. So, who can people aim their questions at for next week's episode? Yeah, absolute legend. I'm talking to. Uh, we've got limited time to prep for this one, so you know people have got to get their questions in really, really quickly in the next sort of uh, well, next sort of 14 to, to 18 hours. Um, catching up with the very man, the the genius of football, Brazilian absolute legend, uh, Middlesbrough icon, Janinho. So really excited to talk to him. Uh, the last time I spoke to him was in, I think it was in October, in Milan at a FIFA ve- event. And it was the first one I'd seen him in such a long period of time. And uh, I'm really looking forward to catching out with him and reminiscing of uh, Middlesbrough days, being part of the World Cup squad that won the World Cup in uh, 94 in the USA, um, and just his whole different life experiences and what he's up to now. So when you said to me that you'd be chatting with Janinho, you wanted to clarify that I knew that it was the real Janinho, the proper one. So then if you're going to have an, an aim at my age, you going to a FIFA event, I'm assuming that's not just you guys playing FIFA in a room, or is that yeah, something no, different as well? FIFA or? as in FIFA, the, 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 the FIFA, uh, sure. the governing body of, uh, of football. It was the FIFA Best Awards in, in Milan. So uh, I was invited along, and towards and it's funny because obviously there's hundreds and hundreds of people there. It's like everyone's there, like yeah. Samuel Atu, Kristen Karambu, uh, Michael Essien, Didier Drogba, Joseph Mourinho. I mean, Jurgen Klopp, you know, Virgil Van Dijk. They're all there. Allison, everyone is there. The only two, actually, funny enough, that weren't there were uh, Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. And one would argue and possibly raise a few eyebrows that they weren't there because they probably found out beforehand that they weren't winning. Uh, I didn't say that out loud, did I? But that's, that's, what, that's what a lot of the whispers were going on around the event, I have to say. So that was a little bit disappointing. Um, but uh, it was amazing. You know, it was amazing to see. It was amazing to see these people. And it's a huge event. So it's right towards the end of the night. We go, on, we go to this section where there's a cordon off area. You can go in there. There's a few people there and have a few drinks and chit-chat, a bit of food on, 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 uh, you know, on display or for service. And I look over and I see in the distance. I go, I look and I ta- will take it. I go, I can't be. It's not him, is it? And it was Juninho. So I run over to him, give him a big hug, say hello, we have a chat with him, and we exchange numbers, and we've been in contact, and it was just great to see him and speak to him. My wife's actually Facebook friends with his wife, so we get a little bit inside of what they get up to these days, but also now I'm going to have a chance to sit down and have a chat with him and, and see where life is taking him. Well, you might have the FIFA Awards uh, in 2018 <laughs> FIFA Awards, but I have the 2014 Royal Adelaide Show Celebrity Milkoff uh, that I attended and was a part of. So Brilliant. it's all very similar stuff. It's all, you know... Yeah, it's right up there, words. mate. It's right up yeah, there. The, you, you know the spiel. Yeah, you know what it's like. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, Mark, how have you enjoyed uh, this beautiful Oyster Bay Pinot Noir? I mean, I this is... It's firmly up my straw. So I, I know that you don't like your Pinots, uh, as, oh, no, 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 sorry. No, 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 no. Is more, I, yeah. I, I love my Pinots. And Oyster Bay is right up there. Oyster Bay is like the top, 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 top shelf. It's like the best. Yeah. It's something like one of the best uh, that I've had uh, ever. So I, I love it. I absolutely love it. It's a no-brainer for me. It's, it's right up there. So obviously it's, it's heading towards that, that sort of, uh, you know, I've got to give you a little bit of insight of potentially who I'd be selecting as, as comparing it to my player. 
I was going to say as well, you know what we should start doing is comparing not only uh, the wine to a player, but also just so people can try and taste the wine as best as possible, put it into a football tiered system. So if if this uh, bottle of wine was in England, you know, would it be a Premier League, a Championship, or, well, you know, funny enough, what would we be looking at? Yeah, funny enough, when I was in Germany, the, the, the newspaper reports would always give... A, uh, a report, like a, you know, they give a, a, a scoring, a, a, a scoring of, of players' performances, and the way they the way they categorised it was world class, international class, uh, domestic, or you know, lower lower league kind of class, and that's how they how they uh, like how it. they categorised it. So for me, this this is world class. Wow, that's a huge statement. So, I mean. Do, do, you can take the floor. I mean, who, who does this bottle of wine remind you of? Yeah, well, see, you know, I know I always say, like, you know, Pinots are so smooth, so nice. It's elegant. It's classy. Um, it's it's something that, that could be in the company of the very, very best in the world. And uh, um, I, I, I wouldn't be afraid to take it to any event. To put it in any team, it would be brilliant. And they showed in their career, a little bit unlucky when they did have that really big move, they got injured, had a really bad injury. And I mentioned the guy before, Miguel Salgado, and actually he was the one that was a really bad tackle on him. He was playing, so Miguel Salgado was playing, I think at the time, for Celta Vigo. And he, he uh, this player I'm referring to, comparing the wine to, was running through on goal. And Salgado did this really bad late, or diving challenge. And full started, went through his ankle, and over the ball and everything else, and he and he dislocated. Well, it dislocated or broke his ankle, um, and it was only a very short period after he made the move from Middlesbrough to Atletico Madrid. This player, and he was out for over a year, and then he came back and he struggled to get back to those heights. And he was never quite the same player. But that was the moment. Had he have stayed fit, had he have survived that injury, been able to get back to that level, there's no doubt in my, in my mind that he would have gone on to even bigger things. He would have become that icon. I mean, he's, he's already an icon, but he could have been right up there with a the very, very few. And this is, of course, the man I'm going to be speaking to tomorrow night, and that's Juninho. I like it. That's, yeah, that's spot on. And, and you know what even, even is spot on? Uh, on the label here, Voice Debate, it says elegant. Yep. So the first word, Addy, you, you you are spot on, Mark. You, you're getting better at this. You're getting much better. <laughs> a lot of practice, uh, mate. Absolutely. And often, um, now that we've yeah, done it so many times, I've, I'm starting to use up uh, the sort of similar words. So I like to, to get a little bit of inspiration as to the way the wine describes itself. And, and on the back of the label, it says quite simply uh, that the Oyster Bay wine captures the special character of New Zealand. The special character of New Zealand. It's a proud country. Needs to do a little bit more on, on the world stage when it comes to its football, but it is it is a special character. And, and this player is not only uh, from New Zealand, but is one of the great characters. And that's Chris Wood. He sums up the, the country of New Zealand perfectly. He's a tremendous ambassador. I'd have to say for for Burnley for for them he he is he's one hell of a character so I think it's a no-brainer for me. Very good selection. I played with him at, played with him at Leicester City. Well, I, I trained with him and I think I may have played a couple of league games, a cup games with him. So so um, but he was a very talented finisher. The problem he had was he had a lot of injuries when I was there and he struggled to get any sort of consistency. And when he was injured 
he, he piled on the pounds a little bit and uh, found it really tough to get back again. And it wasn't until he left that he actually got his opportunity and started to do really, really well. And also because he's from New Zealand, so that's obviously he's going to struggle with that too. Possibly. Yeah. Don't know what you're implying, but, you know, that's where I you want to go along. No, <laughs> I think we know. No, no, I think uh, they're on the right track, New Zealand. I hope they do. I hope they do some, some great things because, um, you know, all I will say is that Wellington are in the A-League and Tasmania still don't have a team. So maybe I'm a little bit... Bitter? Yeah, a little bit bitter I, that, that we're still... I, I think, mate, I, I wouldn't even go along the lines of little bits because I think it's no. oozing out, mate, that bitterness. We know. Yeah, we know. We know. Now, Mark, thank you for another great episode of the Two Sharp Reds, if I don't mind saying so myself. Uh, so please get your questions in as soon as possible for Janino. And, of course, this is the real Janino. Uh, Mark, we'd like to... The proper one. We'd like to just clarify. Um, but, Mark, thank you. Cheers. Cheers, mate. And, Cheers. Um, enjoy the rest of your day. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.